It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA. From the Tri Cities to Olympia to DC, we break down. Break it all down. The stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. Cannabis 2.0 coming to Washington State, possibly in the near future. And a federal court has ruled the state of Idaho must do this. But first, give us your bottom line. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. It is the bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA. Phone number is 547-1610. Email 610-KONA.com, bottom line page, your name, where you're listening, what you'd like to say. And on Twitter at bottom line 610, where our poll question today is, how long do you think the strike the Kennewick Education Association in the Kennewick School District will last. Joining us on the line is the Eastern Washington Director for the Washington Policy Center, Chris Cargill. Good afternoon to you, Chris. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Good afternoon. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. So, Chris, first question for you, because we know there's a lot of people out there that may or may not be aware of exactly what, because you hear the the, the discussion of it's illegal for teachers to go on strike, uh, it's illegal for public service employees to go on strike. What exactly does the law say regarding that, and what, if any, are the penalties uh, for uh, a teacher's union going on strike? Right, and I think it's it's good to clarify this, because uh, the law in Washington's uh, Washington State, as, as both of you know, says they're, they're not legal. They're not legal as a protest. They're not legal for collective bargaining purposes. They're not legal under any circumstances. And, and all you really need to do is go look in, in the RCW. The RCW 41.56.120 uh, specifically says that, that they are not legal. The, the problem here, the hiccup that we run into, uh, the law does not specify any penalties. The, the judges uh, that hear these cases can impose penalties, but that only really incur- uh, occurs after an injunction is sought uh, and issued uh, that uh, would require the employees to return to work. So that has to be done, of course, by by the school districts. If the if the school district were to to take the the in this case the Kennewick Education Association to court and and ask a court to require the teachers return to work uh, based on based on the law, more, most likely they would win. In fact, there's never really been a case where a school district hasn't won. If a school district were to take uh, the, the, school, or the, the teachers to, to court, they would likely win that case because the law is, is clis, uh, crystal clear on this. I mean, breaking a law with no penalties is still breaking the law. That's not really an example our public school teachers should set, but nevertheless, they are setting that example right now. They are breaking the law. The challenge is, of course, that there's no penalties, so they feel like they can do it. We're talking with Chris Cargill, the Eastern Washington Director of the Washington Policy Center here on the bottom line. And Mr. Cargill, I go back a couple of years, not that long ago, when the Pasco School District exactly. went on strike. That did go to court. The district did sue the uh, the union representation. And I remember sitting in that uh, that courtroom, the judge yep. in the case knew it was against the law, imposed fines, yep. you know, for each day that, that they were on strike and it ended up, you know, being like a week and a half, two weeks long against the union, against the leadership, but did, you know, and, and ordered them back to work. But again, 
it didn't really affect anything until the contract was, you know, finalized, and then all the fines were wiped away. Right, exactly right. And, and that was the case. There was another case in Kent in 2009 when uh, right on the eve of being hit with a $200 per day fine uh, that would have been retroactive to the strike's first day, teachers all of a sudden accepted their new contract. So, I mean, basically all that has to happen here, if, if, the, if the Kennewick School District wants to get, uh, wants to get uh, really uh, serious about this, they can, they can go to court. They can take the teachers to court and say, you know what, the law is clear here, and they would win in court. The question is whether they want to do that, whether they want to want to take the teachers to court and say, this is ridiculous. This is this is most importantly hurting kids. I mean, this this is what we should be having a conversation about is the children. Instead, we're having a conversation about adults fighting over money, which which is very unfortunate. And unfortunately, this is what uh, union executives have been trying to do all across the state is is uh, is put children in a, in a very, very uh, bad situation here when when you've got kids n- uh, not knowing the night before whether they're going to have the chance to go to school, uh, that puts kids in a very, very bad situation. We should be talking about uh, uh, kids going back to school, looking forward to the first day of school, and, and now they're, they're not knowing from day to day whether they're going to be uh, having the opportunity uh, to, to have their first day of school. Well, you made the distinction between the union leadership and the union itself versus the the union membership. Right. And and there is a there is a distinction there because I w- you know, I mentioned earlier that I thought that a vast majority of the teachers if you took a hand count would much rather be in their classrooms today and teaching their kids and the kids do matter to them, but they are bound by the union that they belong to and yeah they can vote to go on strike or not and accept a a contract or not but really it's ultimately the 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 small nucleus of of people both on the union side and the district side that are controlling the the conversation yes yeah i think you're exactly right i mean it's it's the union leadership uh, at the top that that leads these efforts and and not all teachers want to be doing this uh, not all teachers want to be out on the picket lines. In fact, the the vote was not unanimous. Uh, it wasn't even really close to being unanimous, uh, and yet uh, and yet they're being forced to to, to do that. I mean, uh, what we really need to have happen here is the legislature needs to step in and and pass a law uh, that that puts some 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 teeth into this state law that says it is illegal for them to strike. I mean, most of these teachers striking and the union executives know this as well they're going to get 100 percent of their pay uh, because children are guaranteed 180 full days of learning i mean what what is happening today and if this strike continues on for the next few days this is the equivalent of some snow days they have to be made up so not only are parents and families uh, going through uh, some unfortunate scheduling over the next uh, few days as they try to scramble uh, to, to figure out what's happening uh, with, their, with their children's education and schedules for, for today and tomorrow and perhaps the next few days, they're also going to have to uh, figure out what they're going to do with their children's schedule perhaps uh, at the end of the school year when school is extended or perhaps they decide to, to cut back winter break. I mean, we don't know exactly what the district's going to do, but 
kids will be in school for 180 days, whether it be 180 days starting tomorrow or starting next week or whenever. They will be in school for 180 days, and teachers know that as well. They're going to get 100% of their pay whether they start tomorrow, whether they start next week, or whether they start, God forbid, uh, a month from now. We're talking with Chris Cargo from the Washington Policy Center here on the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. Chris, in your opinion, which side, and we know it's day one, and as Ed and I were chatting briefly off the air, it doesn't seem that the first day after the strike there's a significant amount of pressure on either side to get a deal done today. But in your opinion, which side do you feel has the most pressure to get a deal done in this situation? Well, it's always hard to tell. Um, what I have found interesting is that the conversation, as I've been watching it, especially on, on social media pages, the conversation seems to have shifted from a conversation about we deserve to be paid as much as the neighboring districts in, in Richland and Pasco. The conversation seems to have shifted from that talking point to a talking point more about it's about public, or excuse me, it's about safety in the classroom. Um, I have noticed that that line uh, and that uh, talking point uh, shift over the past 24 hours. I don't know if if that is telling and if that really what is really what the negotiations are all about now. Of course, we are not in those negotiations, so we don't know. It would be helpful if the negotiations were open to the public so that the public could know exactly what is happening and what is uh, being said on both sides uh, of the conversation. Uh, But I have found that the most striking over the past 24 hours as I've kind of watched the back and forth uh, that has been uh, going on between people on on, on kind of the pro-union side and folks on, on more of the district side, uh, whereas, you know, 48 uh, to 72 hours ago, the conversation was and the, and the talking points were uh, we deserve to be paid just as much as uh, Richland and Pasco educators. Uh, the conversation now seems to be it's not about the money. We're talking with Chris Cargill, the Eastern Washington Director for the Washington Policy Center here on the bottom line. Now, Chris, there's a lot of parents, 19,000 kids are affected by this strike, yeah. 13,000 households. Uh, there are a number of families that have had to make alternate arrangements. Uh, depending on how long this goes, it could wind up being a significant amount of money, not to mention if they have to go to school through the month of June, even into July, how much money that would cost the families affected by this as well. Now, we know that the union is not going to offer to pay. We know the school district's not going to offer to reimburse uh, these families for any out-of-pocket costs caused by this strike. Do parents have any kind of a recourse? I mean, there have been, there have been class actions filed against public service unions in the past. Would parents in the Kennewick School District have grounds to seek class action against one or both of the entities to recoup any money that they would pay during the strike for alternate child care and things like that? You know, it's an interesting question, and and I wish I could say the answer to that I I think would be yes, but Unfortunately, I think the answer would probably be no uh, because of what I just mentioned a couple of minutes ago, and that would be that uh, the the children are, uh, that are attending uh, school in the Kennewick School District are still going to get 180 days, whether school starts tomorrow or whether it uh, starts 
um, you know, a week or a month from now. And so um, that it's just a matter of whether school is going to be pushed out, uh, as you mentioned, um, in, into later into, into June or July of next year. They're going to get that 180 full days of learning, um, um, whether, whether it starts uh, now or, or later. And so I don't think that they would get any of that money back. What we have suggested at the Policy Center is that the, the, the money really does not belong to the school district or to the union or to the teacher. The money really belongs to the, to the child. Um, that $15,000 on average that we spend per student per year, and it fluctuates district to district, but, but that's about the statewide average, that money belongs to, to these kids and to their families. And so it really should follow the child uh, where, wherever, whatever school they want to go to, whether they go to a, a public charter school or whether they decide to go to a, a different school or a different uh, district or a different, uh, perhaps uh, they decide to go to a, a private school. It really is uh, the, the child's money. It should not be uh, set in stone going to the district. And I think if we allowed it to follow the child, uh, that could speak volumes. And the parents who are frustrated with what's going on in the Conowick School District right now, uh, could perhaps pick up that money and uh, take their, their toys and go elsewhere. Chris, one more question for you before we let you go. We know that a few years back it was suggested, and I think it may have been at the state level, that there be across-the-board compensation for teachers throughout the state. And that was roundly rejected by the unions because they felt that each different each district presented different challenges, different economic situations, and so on and so forth. Now it seems like the argument, and as you alluded to earlier, coming out of the KEA is, well, we should be getting paid the same as these other school districts. So which is it, number right. one, and number two, is this just a game that we keep seeing played over and over again by the WEA where we get the McCleary decision, levy lifts are locked, oh, well, let's lobby the lawmakers to lift the levy list so then we can turn around and illegally do what was happening before, and then we're going to come back to another McCleary, and we're basically going to have this cycle over and over again where all we keep seeing is money getting dumped into the system with, in Kennewick, 42% standard in math and 33% in science and just over 50% in English language arts. Well, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, we're, if, if these uh, standard, or if these, um, if, if this type of, of revenue increase continues at the state level, and then we're talking about increasing the amount the local school districts can in, increase their levy rates, it's just going to be a continuous circle where we're, we're going, to, going to likely face a, a McCleary 2.0 in a couple of years where the WEA will claim that the local school districts are providing too much of the revenue, uh, that it's, it is the state's responsibility, which, by the way, the state has increased K-12 through education spending 102 percent. Let me say that again, 102% over the past 10 years, a 102% increase in K-12 through education spending at the state level over the past 10 years. Uh, so if anyone tells you that we're not spending enough in K-12, through you can just simply point to the fact that the legislature has more than doubled K-12 through education spending, and then because of all these increases at the local level uh, in, in salaries, uh, the local school districts had no other choice than to go back to the legislature and say, we need to increase our local levy authority as well. And so as a result, you've seen local school districts say, well, we're going to 
possibly go back to voters and increase that local levy uh, amount as well. And it's just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, as you alluded to. So I think the answer to your question is, yes, it's a continuous circle until someone stands up and says, hold on a second, hold, let's, let's, let's hold up and have a real conversation uh, about this. And if we don't, um, I think it's just going to be constant whack-a-mole. We're just going to be going back and forth. Chris Cargill, Eastern Washington Director of the Washington Policy Center. Thanks for your time this afternoon. Always appreciate the conversation, Chris. Thanks, guys. Take a quick break. Come back with more. The bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. So a little bit of a outside discussion regarding all elements of potential legalities, illegalities. We know what the law states. We'll see how it plays out. More the bottom line after this. Join the show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. Back to the bottom line with Robin Ed, presented by McCary Meets in Basin City on News Radio 610, KONA. This hour brought to you in part by Perfection Tire with four Tri Cities locations to serve you. This is the bottom line, News Radio 610, KONA. Ed Dawson, Rob Francis, and you. Got an email from Kendrick, who's listening in Benton City. He said, we all agree monopolies are bad. A union's a labor monopoly and ultimately hurts the consumer. Thanks for the email, Kendrick. And, you know, we said this a bunch of times that, and and I I will repeat it because I've said it a bunch of times. Some of the most important people in my life have been my teachers. I think good teachers deserve to get paid. I think bad teachers don't. I think one of the things that we run into and one of the things that is that is kind of sitting on people this time around is that the bad teachers are going to get paid the same as the good teachers. The mediocre teachers are going to get paid the same as the good teachers. And that there's no way to distinguish because once you get past a certain point, you're you're not going anywhere. So you can have someone for 15 years who mires in mediocrity while two classrooms down, you could have a teacher of the year every year who's getting paid the same amount of money. You know, if you, to me, raise should, raises should be meritorious. They should be based on a lot of different things. One of the things I also think is that public service unions are vampires. And that's all they want to do is suck the blood out of a taxpayer, and they don't care about anything else. I, I agree with you today. That's the case. I would argue that a while ago, in the in the past, teachers got walked all over because they're usually nice people. They're there just to teach the kids, and the districts took advantage of them. They needed somebody or some entity to represent them back then because they were being taken advantage of. A lot of people to, in a lot of industries had the same thing. Absolutely. Very true. But what has happened since then is the pendulum has swung to the other direction in which the union's are holding industries, school districts hostage and not properly representing their entire membership. And so that's where we're we've come to. I, I agree with you today, but and, just I mean, don't poo-poo unions, period, because there was a time and a place there was. where they were very much needed many, in, in education many, and in other, other places. Many, many decades ago. But see, yes. now, today, and thanks to a decision last year, if you're not happy in a public service union, you have the ability to opt out. 
and that was the Janus decision. So if you are somebody that's in that union and you're not happy with the way you're being represented, you don't have to belong to it anymore. You can stop paying your dues, which there are estimates out there that the WEA is overcharging teachers by hundreds of dollars. Look it up up for yourself. It'll be interesting to see once this is resolved in Kennewick, how many teachers in Kennewick may go this route. More of the bottom line after this. Speak your piece. Call 509-547-1610. More of the bottom line on News Radio 610 KONA. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City. This hour brought to you in part by Ben Franklin Transit, going new places. You can visit them at bft.org. It's the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. He's Rob, I'm Ed. Let's go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Yeah, this is Art from Kennewick. I uh, I don't know exactly all the issues on the, uh, on the teacher strike, but, uh, you know, those teachers... Uh, a lot of them didn't have it so bad. You know, a lot of people had to go to work on those snow days that they had, and I don't think they ever made up all of those. And so, you know, they talk about how hard it is. They need to uh, maybe go out on some other jobs. And, uh, you know, there's people that have degrees in other jobs that don't make the money the teachers do. I'm not saying that uh, we shouldn't appreciate them and so forth, because there's a lot of good teachers there. But... Uh, I think they're getting a pretty decent retirement, and uh, I, I don't think they should be striking the way they should. Thank you. Appreciate for the, the call, Art. Here's, here's what I always go back to whenever I hear that comparison that, uh, you know, when they see how much money is on the table for teacher contracts and and the like, and, and, I, and I read silly comments like, well— why don't we just get rid of all the teachers and start over? I mean, that's so ridiculous. Yeah. My question is, and and it's in all truthfulness, and I even ask myself this, could you do that job? Could you do that job? I, it, It's something that when it came right down to it, I don't know that a lot of people could do it. And I don't, I, I don't know that I could. I know for I'll tell you this right now, Rob, and I have two young younger kids at home. I would not be a good teacher for younger kids. Um, junior high kids, you know, middle school kids scare me to death because of all the hormones. I might be able to teach high school level, maybe, but most of those people that are teaching, it, I don't think you can compare yourself to that job and just like art said and i I appreciate what art was saying maybe some of those teachers should do another job well maybe somebody else should try teaching for a while that's all i'm saying back to the phones you're up on the bottom line news radio 610 k what's your name where are you calling from this is skitter from kennewick what's on your mind uh you know hey i've worked in uh, public service on the federal side for over 25 years and i've seen the good the bad and uh, and actually they're ugly and uh, they're overspending. But you know, not everybody in public service is bad. No, you're right. And um, you know, and and you know, you're not you're not going to get rich working in public service. But it does provide a very secure, long term employment opportunity uh, for people that want to work in public service. I've told my children the same, and they work in public service. 
at the state level. And, um, you know, they see all their other friends out of Hanford making these big wages and stuff. <clears throat> but, again, you're in it for the long term, and it's a good job, and there's a lot of security. And uh, so, you know, public services is not for everyone, but uh, but there's a lot of good people that work in public service. And that's really all I had to say. You're absolutely right. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. But one thing before we go to the next thing I want to mention, and I understand the comparison that Art was making. I understand your response to it, but you can say that about a lot of industries. That's that, true. That you can't, you know, you can't put yourself in somebody else's shoes. You can ask, could you do that job? But but there's a lot of jobs out there that you could you could ask you could ask about law enforcement, first responders. You could do it uh, working in dispatch. You could do it. I mean, just about anything else. I mean, retail for God's sake is 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 a brutal profession. So anything that deals with the public and works with the public is not an easy job to do. But I think a lot of it comes down to. I'll bring it up after we go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. News Radio six ten K one A. Your name? Where are you calling from? Bernie from Kennewick. What's up, Bernie? Well, teaching, like you were saying, I, I wouldn't want to teach middle school. Ooh, no, no thanks. High school, a little better. Uh, the grade school kids, yes. And I have had some experience at a parochial school, and I would go back there any day compared to the public schools. They are just... I don't know what all it makes besides religion that they are so well behaved. But also the Volk Tech schools I've taught there. And that was also good because they want to be there. Whereas your public school kids, and I was one of them, I absolutely hated every day of school I ever had till I graduated and went to a Volk Tech school. Anyway, that's all I got. Appreciate Thanks it, Bernie. Thanks for the call, Bernie. Five four seven one six ten. If you'd like to join the conversation, 509-547-1610. Okay, want to throw this out, all right? What do you think the average home price is in, in Kennewick right now? Average home price? Average home price in Kennewick. Oh, all those new ones are going. I'll say 250 Okay, probably somewhere between two and 250 Okay, would be, would be a fair statement. Okay. The average home price, the median home price in Seattle is $489,000. Yeah, and you get like a one-room cracker right. box, So right? that's, that's the median. The teachers in Seattle just reached a deal three years where they'll get 11.1% over three years graduated rate, raise increase, where the top of their chart's going to be $124,000. The top of their chart? $124,000. Okay, that's where they're going to max out, $124,000. Okay, $489,000 is the median home price. They're looking at maxing out based on what the union, the KEA, is asking for from the Kennewick School District. There will be 453 teachers that will be at the top of the pay chart, which would be around $100,000. Okay, 453, because they're going to drop the top of the chart from 25 years to 19 years. If the average home price is between 200 and 250 and you're looking to make 101 and the cost of living is significantly different here than it is in Seattle, that to me seems like the average salary of forty two thousand for a Kennewick resident is gonna be asked to take a heck of a lot of burden on to be able to pay something to where you're gonna be twenty thousand dollars, just about twenty three thousand dollars less in the cap than Seattle, which is significantly higher to live. So I think cost of living has to play an equa- has to come into the discussion here and play into the equation. And nobody's talking about that part. You're up on the bottom line, news radio six ten K one A, your name where are you calling from? 
Max, with a very quick comment, it's always bugged me the public employees, whether they're teachers, government, etc., had better benefits than the private sector. I don't think it's right. Uh, I know Scott Brown on Wisconsin tried to tackle this a few years ago, and I'll just hang up and go with the discussion. Thanks. Thanks for the call, Max. Scott Walker, the governor of Wisconsin, went out of Chris Christie. That was one of the first things he did when he was governor of New Jersey, uh, was tackle that thing. But see, one of the things people forget, and it wasn't until the 90s that you started to see the pay scales rise for public service employees. That was the bonus, was that gold parachute benefits plan. That was the thing that encouraged people to go and work in public service because the pay was not commensurate to the private sector until we started to get into the 90s. Right. You took the civil service test. If you passed it and you got a job working in public service, the benefits package was worth half your salary. Right. That I mean, was the draw. That was the draw. Not was, so much the salary, but the, that was the draw. The benefits of the retirement plan was the draw. But once the 90s kicked around, guess what? The pay started to increase. Okay, Ask any teacher who was in a classroom 20 years ago if they thought they had a chance of making $100,000 a year. Yeah. It's certainly right. not in this state. That pre-McCleary You're and right. all that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. But one of the reasons they did was the benefits package Yeah, and the pension. So there were draws into it, but I think the one thing that, that people are overlooking in all of this is the fact that there are people who are making less than half of what's being proposed for one quarter of the district, one third of the district. And there are people in this town that are going to make well short of half of that that are going to be asked to finance that 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 burden's going to be put on them. And so that, to me, is the big disconnect here for me, is here's what I see performance-wise. Here's what OSPI is putting out for the report card. Okay, that's not worth what you're asking. And again, there's no give on getting rid of bad teachers. There's no give on performance plans for mediocre teachers. Great teachers deserve to be paid great. Bad teachers... Maybe you should look for another line of work. And I get it. It's hard to get certified in Washington State. But until there are some parameters on this, good teachers are getting paid the same as bad teachers. And to me, that's not fair. Let's go back to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is Debbie, and I live in Kennewick. And I've heard a couple times now over the course of the days people calling in about the wonderful benefit packages that teachers get when they retire and back in the day teachers would have their medical paid for and a great pension like that that is not the case anymore when i when i retire and i am a teacher i'm not in, i'm not teaching in kennewick but when i retire i'm going to be paying about seven hundred dollars a month for my own medical care my pension after teaching for 18 years, which is when I plan to retire, is going to be $1,100 a month. So I don't know, like you're saying in the 90s, because I didn't start teaching until after that, but I don't know what happened with compensation for pay versus compensation for benefits and future benefits. But that has changed. So 
all these people that are calling in that think that we retire and then we've got this glorious retirement package that we can sit back and relax, they are mistaken. Thanks for the call, Debbie. In Washington State, they've gone through a couple different retirement packages. They've gone from the original PERS to PERS 2, and I think now it's PERS 3, correct? I believe that this la- this last legislative session right. was PERS 3. And PERS, I think PERS 3 pays you 37% of your top five years gross. So if you make $100,000 a year for five years, you're going to get 37% of that as your pension. Okay, that's what you're going to get paid out per year as your pension. Uh, So Washington State's had a couple changes, as have a number of states. Uh, But as far as the benefits go, uh, there's a lot of people that pay more than that right now as far as coming out of their own pocket for medical. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610 K1A. Your name, where are you calling from? Hey, guys, it's Chris from Richmond. What's up, Chris? Sorry, but I've only been able to keep track of parts of this throughout the day. Um, do we know what the hang-up is now? Because it seems like every time the district has met terms that uh, a new hurdle has been put in place. Do we know what the problem is now? Well, Chris, appreciate the call. Thank you very much. All I can say is that Pay pay is is one of a handful of things that still must be resolved. You know, I, and again, not taking sides here, but when the district releases information to the public, they focus on we've offered this amount of pay and this this that and the other thing, and there's no mention of from either side about the other six to eight supposed uh, things that are on the table. So. Again, supposedly there are other things that are being negotiated other than pay. Okay, I'm going to read this from the from the press release that came out from the KEA this morning. Okay, several important proposals are still on the table, but fair compensation remains the key issue. There's nothing about any other issue in this re, in, in this email, with the exception of money, and talking about money. And oh, I'm sorry, salaries about respect. So that's the other aspect. But once again, it's tied to money. So everything in this press release that came out at 829 this morning from the KEA, all it talks about is money. It doesn't talk about safety. It doesn't talk about anything else. All it talks about is money. But again, if you and, and I did, and I did talk to a couple of the striking teachers this morning. They mention money and other things. And like there are safety. other teachers that have. That's right. But it, so... <laughs> I don't know how to answer that one because... I'm it, looking at the print that came I out know. from them. I understand. And they're the voice. That True. But, it, well, and we've talked about it, that, you know, are they truly the voice of the membership? Let's go back to the phone. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Sean from West Richland. How are you doing? Good, Good Sean. Sean. What's, what's on your mind? I'm sorry I haven't been able to check in all day on it, but I was wondering if it uh, ever was mentioned. The one thing that keeps tripping me up with the salaries is they need to break it down instead of by salary, have it hourly because the teachers don't work a full year. So $100,000 for a teacher isn't the same as $100,000 for you know a garbage man. You know what I'm saying? Because they're working every day, five days a week. So I, I would rather see them break it out by uh, an hourly rate, and that would kind of level the playing field for everyone as well. Interesting, good, interesting thought. Good point. Uh, yeah. Another another aspect is when 
the district releases these figures, are they total compensation? Is it just salary? Is it salary and benefits? You know, depending on who you ask, it's, you know, you know, what are we talking about? These these numbers that are, uh, you know, being released because the some of the teachers are saying that includes compensation. So that's not a fair representation of actual salary. And some people say it is salary. So it's just ugh, it's a mess. Let's get one more call in before the break. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? No, this is Chuck from West Richland. I was actually going to address exactly what you were just talking about. I think part of the way to um, get rid of that mess, and, and the unions don't like it anytime you propose it, but let's have some transparency in the negotiations. Let's have at least some members of the public aware of and able to view all of the documents, all of everything that's being proposed by both sides, even if it's just media that has access to that so that everybody knows what we're really talking about. And there's not any conjecture from either side. Appreciate the call because it's true. Both sides, frankly, are spinning it for for public consumption because they want the public on their side. And we're getting this uh, big old back and forth. 547-1610, more of the bottom line after this. Bottom line, the only place that cares what you think. Call in now, 509-547-1610. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610 KOA 547-1610. Number, final few moments here. If you're going through a tough situation family-wise, if kids are involved, if divorce is on the horizon, or you're just recently divorced and you're trying to figure out how to get that parenting plan finalized, put in place, maybe you're discussing child support, you're discussing alimony, contact Skyview Law, George Washington Way in Richland. Jared and his team at Skyview Law have been doing family law for over 10 years in the Tri-Cities. They are the experts at family law. Whether it comes to parenting plans, child support, you need to modify it, or you're getting ready to begin that process. If you happen to own a business, Jared will be able to sit down with you, put plans together that will work out in your benefit and also work out for the best benefit for the kids involved. Skyview Law, George Washington Way in Richland. Visit their website, skyviewlaw.com. Got time for a quick phone call. Going right to it. You're up on the bottom line. News Radio 610 K1A. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is Joel in Kennewick. What's on your mind, Joel? Uh, two things. I, you know, I've only been able to listen intermittently here but first you know i've heard at least one person say that you know teachers only work part of the year and everything i do think it's unfair to say that i have several teachers in my family um you know they spend a lot of time on things outside of class after hours and so on and so forth you know grading papers and whatnot so there's a lot of undocumented hours outside of the classroom that do happen um and as far as you know compensation for uh ongoing education you know, lots of medical professionals and other professionals out there have their employers compensate them for part or all of those licenses and trainings going on. So if they want to make that part of the compensation package and negotiation, so be it. That being said, I do side with Chris Cargill and Washington Policy Center in that at least part of these negotiations should be open to the public. This is tax dollars. This is public money. It therefore should be, you know, open for a a limited discussion at least where each side lays out here's our position for today or you know here's where we're at right now that way they're you know if they want to go behind closed doors and figure things out and then they can't say oh it was all me or i caved in on this or whatever they don't have to do that but 
without some public disclosure, it's, it's a bad use of public funds. Joel, thanks for the call. We appreciate your comments. I couldn't agree with you more, especially on the last point. If I, I, and I've said this over and over again. If the public was allowed to be in the room, I guarantee you the posturing wouldn't be what it was, and there would be more pressure to get a good faith deal done because people are watching. That's all for the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA coming up. ABC News, then all your local news, weather, and traffic on the Afternoon Report.